Caucasian. Today we'll be talking about dun 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 <laughs> marriage with Josiah Wang and Julia Kim. Josiah and Julia got married in the summer last year, and I had the honor of being a guest over Zoom. What is the meaning of marriage? What makes a successful marriage? Would you recommend it? Thumbs down or thumbs up? Thumbs up for oh, sure. Yeah, definitely thumbs up. Would do again? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, hopefully not. But um, for a ceremony. Yes, rather. yes. We definitely were very quick in our relationship. Yeah. For our listeners, can you describe your timeline? Yeah. So we had met back in the fall of 2018. I was hosting a Bible study small group at my apartment, and Julia had just moved to New York at that time. She was looking for a small group, and my apartment happened to be very close to her office. So it just so happened that uh, that was the easiest one to, for her to access. Um, at that time, neither of us were really thinking about relationships. Both of us were kind of on our online dating game, I'd say. No, I was not online oh, dating. Just I was just enjoying being single, not oh. having any distractions. Yeah. I was enjoying just you know going on dates and, and having fun. It was actually a bit taboo growing up, like just dating in general. Um, and I think part of that just was... Dating in general was taboo for you? A little bit, yeah. So like very typical like Asian family where it's like, oh, like focus on studying while you're in, in school. But then after college, like, why aren't you married yet? That kind oh, of thing. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, although my parents didn't pressure me that much. But yeah, at that time, both of us knew of each other. We were friendly with each other, but we had never really interacted that much. And then that winter, I think, before we were all you know heading to our respective homes for winter break, I think we were just hanging out with a bunch of our friends, eating ramen, and then we just started talking like afterwards. I was like, oh, this is, she's pretty cool. Uh, but... I hadn't really thought much of it. Um, Julia's shaking her head right now. Yeah, I didn't really think much of it either. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, it's just a nice guy, and that's it. Yeah. Um, but then it was funny because that winter, we both happened to be in Singapore. We overlapped for a day, and he started texting me, being like, oh, yeah, my family and I are planning to go to Marina Bay Sands. Do you want to come? And I was like, why would I go and hang out with your family? <laughs> I don't even know I was just being very well. friendly. I don't know your family. Yeah. But you must have felt really comfortable with her to invite her to your family outing. Yeah. I would say so. I'd like to think I'm a friendly person. You uh, are so, a friendly yeah. person. Oh, thank you. Yeah. But so it wasn't really like with any intention in that sense. So I'm guessing you said yes. I actually said no oh, because okay. I had plans of my own because mm. I was my first time I was traveling by myself too mm. to a country. So I was like, no, it's okay. Uh, I'm just gonna. I really want this to be my me time and my own adventure. Yeah. And then it was funny because then at 10 p.m. I was also very jet lagged. But at 10 p.m. he texted me going, "Hey, I know you're staying at this location." Because I told him. My family and I are actually really close by getting dinner. Do you want to come? So persistent. <laughs> she said she wanted alone time. Come on. I know. I'm just that kind of person. Yeah. But I mean, again, I said no because by the time I was already in bed, mm-hmm. I was very jet lagged. So I was like, oh, no, it's okay. But I'll mm-hmm. see you back in America. <laughs> <laughs> We're just friendly with each other. And then Super Bowl came around and yeah. we happened to just start talking to each other because we're not really big fans of football. Yeah, I was I was hosting a Super Bowl party in my apartment. Uh, we had like twenty people uh, in I feel our. Like there was like fifty. There's maybe just so many yeah. people there. You were hosting a Super Bowl party, uh-huh. but you have no interest in no football. No, it was more for the social aspect of things exactly. than the eating. I'm guessing. Yeah, exactly. Which is like for a lot of us. Yeah, that is the case. <laughs> I, I lived with three other roommates at that time, so we had a, a really big place, and we had a bunch of friends who just liked hanging out together. So. Uh, I invited you know my small group, which Julia was part of as well, to come. And neither of us, like Julia was saying, like, were really interested in what was happening. Uh, but then we just started talking. And then Julia, in general, is a very like guarded person. But then when we started talking, like, it was like, oh, she started to let her guard down. I was like, this is very interesting. And I noticed that I was letting my guard down, too. I started talking to her about like some of my interests that I would normally not talk to someone on like Give me an example of uh, such interest. Building model plastic cars, for example. I started yeah. talking about like You you put out like the nerd real fast. <laughs> exactly. We were like, here we go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it, it felt like I was just talking to a friend about something, right? It felt really comfortable. And we were just talking and I was talking about cars so passionately I went to go into my room to grab a, a, a like Your car model? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then as I was grabbing it's like Wait, did you what? also take out pictures of your suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Wait, he actually did show me his car. Like, he opened his Instagram. He's like, here, let me show you my, like, like my child. Like my child. You know how like some moms are like, yeah. this is my baby. Or like some pet owner's like, this is my dog. You're like, this is my yeah. car. Her, her, her car. name's Luna, by the way. My car's name <laughs> yes. is Luna. Um, but yeah, and, and as I was grabbing, I was like, 
wait, what? What am I doing? <laughs> like, why am I telling this person about my car? It got us thinking, I think, for both of us. And then, so that was Super Bowl. And then, like, the following Thursday, our weekly small group Bible study. And she brought Clementines for our group because I think it was your way winter. of... Yeah, it was winter. And it was your way of telling people don't get sick by feeding them vitamin C. <laughs> um, so and I texted her afterwards, or like the day after, basically, you know, thanking her. Hey, thanks for bringing Clementines for the group. And then we started getting talking, and I remember overhearing her the previous night telling someone else, apparently, that she was going to go to Jersey to, like, go shopping for winter clothing. By the way, this isn't just him overhearing casually. It was more so walking very slowly. His ear was definitely <laughs> part of our conversation. I saw from the corner of my eye, I'm like, is he listening to us? Like, like, so not subtle. No. I'm also just a very observant person. <laughs> a very not subtle, yeah, observant person. So I just happened to text her like, hey, I heard you were going to uh, Jersey to pick up. Um... Not creepy at all. Yes, go on. <laughs> yeah, I heard like, hey, I heard you're going to Jersey. Like, hope you have fun. And then she texted back like, what, half an hour later and be like, yeah, you want to come? And I was like, what? <laughs> so I was like, okay, YOLO. I'm uh, like, why not? So, you did not say YOLO. You I know. Said, no, um... In my head, I was like, YOLO. Oh, but he texted back, I'm intrigued. Oh, yeah, that's what Yes, I mean. I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is she flirting with me or not? It was, um, so by then, were you interested? I was interested in learning more about Julia. So you're I, curious. Yeah, curious. Yes, but like, I, I was still. I didn't. I don't think I had like the romantic feelings weren't like fully there yet. Or what they about were. you, Julia? Same here. I was just curious because I was very comfortable and I was like, oh, it's just so easy to talk to him, mm-hmm. and I've never felt so comfortable around someone so quickly too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, might as well just. Let's hang out and yeah. see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so went to Jersey on that Saturday. Let's see. We went to the mall, right? Went to the mall, looked at some things, and we ended up spending, like, basically the whole day together. So we hung out until, like, 3 o'clock. Uh, I had to go look at apartments at that time. But she had mentioned earlier in the day that she had never seen Forrest Gump before. So I was like, oh, we got to watch Forrest Gump. So we made plans later that night to, like, you know, watch Forrest Gump at, at her apartment. But what was interesting <laughs> during that trip was that there were two other mutual friends that we had that <laughs> apparently were interested in her at, at that time. And she thought it'd be, well, I don't know, you want to talk through it? Or? Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, if you were my shoes, what would you do? Would you go grab coffee with this person? Like, would you hang out one-on-one? And so I didn't mean to put him on the spot. And right after I said those sentences, I was like, oh, shoot, this is way too soon. <laughs> this is definitely putting him on yeah. the spot. And he was like, oh, um, I mean, if I were in the guy's shoes... I wouldn't hang out with a girl just because there would be a meeting behind it. Because what, what did you say? Like, I was like, it would be very intentional. Yeah, if I were spending that much time with uh, with a girl, like, I'd be very intentional about it. But were you? Huh? But were I, you? I was at that point. That was my <laughs> subtle way of answering her question. Because at that point, like, someone, our friend had, or one of our mutual friends had, texted her at it, asking to grab coffee and hang out. And she's like, what would you do? It was like, hmm. She was like, is this person would, interested in me? I it's like, would hmm. take that number and delete it. And then never again respond. <laughs> but it, it was also my way of hinting like, okay, I'm spending this time with you. That means I'm interested. Let's see. I went to look at apartments that day. And then later on, we hung out. Um, we Wait, were... you went to look at apartments that day because your lease was ending? Yes, exactly. Were you like, but I need to stay in this area. Because Julia. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some subconscious part of it. Uh... He definitely was because his lease wasn't up until a few months later. And that's when we started dating. And he was looking at the west side and we were living on the east side. And I jokingly told him, hey, if you live on the west, we'll be doing LDR. Mm-hmm. Good luck. I'm never going to see you. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> later that night when we, we were hanging out at your apartment, we had takeout and watched Forrest Gump. We ended up talking until like midnight and yeah. and what was really interesting to me it was a signal was the fact that like she usually goes to bed at like eight. So okay, like nine nine thirty. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I thought that was like, okay, well, maybe she's interested too. So we hung out a few more times that week. So let's see. It was Presence Day weekend. So that Sunday we didn't hang out, but Monday we made plans to hang out again. And then we made plans to hang out again on the following Saturday. I think we were both knew we were kind of interested at that point, but the Friday right before that, like I was dropping her off after some other group activity. I was like, hey, by the way, for tomorrow's activity... Let's make this a date. Oh, oh yeah. I was like, I just want to set expectations. Like, let's make this a date. I was very like forthcoming and about like, hey, like I'm interested in you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out well. Yeah. And I think the reason why it also accelerated things a bit, because that first day that we hung out in Jersey, we got everything out of the table. 
And it usually it's a little weird to talk about like how many kids do you want? What's your political affiliation? How what do you feel about you these? Ha- yeah, and you guys have talked about we all got of it those. all on the table wow. before we even started like dating. officially dating. <laughs> wow, yeah. you guys were like, well, here's my list of requirements. <laughs> um, just put it in out yeah. there. Yeah, I, I think it's even interesting too because like we have different views on some politics things too. Like not widely different, but like you know we were different, and so it was. I thought it was really interesting too that like we felt comfortable enough sharing about those with each other in like a because at that point we were not fully interested in each other yet so like we were comfortable enough sharing that with each other being mm-hmm. forthcoming mm-hmm. So. yeah wow and then it helped that if, i guess it also helped that after our first official date the week leading up to the sunday our church friends were like oh because we walk we happen to walk in together for lunch and they're like not, oh is there not, something going <laughs> on between you two you guys are no, not no. subtle at all it, it was more like it was like someone who was new to our church and we had walked into lunch together and it's like oh so how long have you guys been dating and we're like, mm-hmm. we hadn't told our other friends yet they were seeing each other. So it's like, we're dating? What? <laughs> we just went on one date. Yeah. <laughs> so then our second date, we then talked about it. We were like, okay, so where do we see this going? Mm-hmm. And so we just, we both were serious about it. And we immediately really? made it exclusive um, because we said that we weren't seeing yeah. anyone else. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know it, the third date, we made it official. Yeah. <laughs> Six months later, he proposed. Oh my god. Seven months. Okay, so. seven months later he proposed. Like, yeah. It's so insane. Like, I don't know if you guys think it's insane, but I thought it was insane. Yeah. It was very, very fast because I remember I would be like scrolling on Instagram one day. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, Josiah and Julia are hanging out. They're like walking in some park. Cool, cool, cool. And the next day it's like, okay, they're proposed. Okay, they're engaged. Okay, they're getting married. I was like, this is all moving so quickly and I'm not even in your relationship. Yeah. How did you guys feel about that? Like for a lot of people, they kind of take it in a way that's like, I must date someone for a period of time because you need to be in a diverse set of experiences with them to understand their different facets of their character or what are they like in this situation mm-hmm. or what are they like in this situation? How did you guys think about that? It, so it was definitely fast, even in, in retrospect. We talk about it all the time, like, wow, like we moved very fast. Um, so it's definitely not lost on us how, how fast it is. We definitely had our fair share of going through challenges together. So like on our fourth time hanging out together, we went to like babysit kids for our church. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we kind of saw like, oh, how does each other like mm-hmm. do with kids? Were you guys like, okay, I know he's like kind of evaluating me right now. So I'm going to be like extra careful. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I think also like looking at apartments together. Like, I was already starting to look at apartments like way before I probably should have for uh, moving out. Uh, or before I needed to, and you know, she tagged along. It was interesting to see, like you know, what things that we were both like looking at in terms of, um, in terms of like what we think makes a good home, for mm-hmm. example, things like that. Yeah, and then when he moved into his apartment, we went IKEA shopping together, oh, yeah. just furniture shopping in general. So we yeah. did a lot of those yeah. type of things. Yeah. We passed the IKEA test. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. we did. Pass did you the build the furniture together? Uh, That's the IKEA test. No, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Try building a bomb bed. <laughs> Uh, have we built furniture together? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I enjoy building, so. I don't really like yeah. enjoy building. My, like, let's just say a very simple lamp will turn out crooked if yeah. you ask me to build yeah. it. Yeah. Which is fine. I think, like, in that sense, like, we, even when we first started living together, I think we saw a lot of complementary things. Like, I'm much more about, you know, making sure things are organized properly. I'm more functional, and mm-hmm. she's more aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but, I feel like I'm also functional. Uh, well, I, I, mm, it's hard to describe, I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're functional and aesthetic. I'm, I'm just more like, this belongs here because like this is my category of things that I'll do. But you are able to blend the functional and aesthetic together very well. I think it's a priority ladder. Yeah. It's like, if I have to choose one, it's the function. And for, for Julia, it's kind of like, it needs to be a blend of yeah. both. All that has to say, though, I think going back to your question, like, I felt like we were very intentional, like, before the few months leading up to Impulso, thinking about, like, hey, like, would this work well together? Um, I will also say, like, obviously, like, there's only so much you can see at a time. So uh, even during our engagement, you know, there were things like, oh, like, we didn't expect in each other, I think. Like what? Um, Like COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Moving in to his parents' place for three months and living with, like, seven other people. Yeah. I've never lived with so many people in my life. Yeah. And also, like, she was basically living with her future in-laws for, like... Yes, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. When I heard that you guys were doing that, I was like, woof. That is a lot to take (laughs) on. And my younger brother was there, too. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I I love my family, obviously, but I think it's also, it's a very stressful situation. It is. Um, I, I don't know how I would fare if I were to be put in a similar situation, you know. 
Yeah, but I think for me to answer your question is I always thought that, okay, if I meet the guy, I need to date him for at least two years. And then we'll like see how it goes, mm-hmm. get engaged yeah. for about six to 12 months, and mm-hmm. then get married. Mm-hmm. So this was definitely cut yeah. very short, mm-hmm. and I wasn't expecting it. But I think because I was so tired of the dating life and just all the failed relationships, I was like, you know what, the next person that I date, I am also going to be intentional about it. And if it doesn't work, we're just going to immediately cut that person out, and we'll mm-hmm. just be friends, mm-hmm. if that's possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so with him, though, because it just... I've never felt this way before and not only did he make me feel really comfortable but brought the best side of myself it was the first time I could really see a future with someone to and build our life together so it just even though from an outside perspective it might seem like yes the timeline was really fast but living in it I feel like it was actually our perfect yeah. it like moved as it moved the way that it yeah. should have moved mm. yeah that's awesome. very comfortable yeah I think kind of similar for me too like I guess when I was growing up, I was like, oh yeah, in the future, my, my spouse is going to be one of my friends that oh, I got to know a long time. Like there was that, I feel like a lot of Asian Americans have that fantasy, I guess. A friend becomes like a, a your, your future partner. By the way, I think that's very, very rare. Yeah, like a I agree. A friend becoming like a future partner. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I, for some reason, I think that was just like part of my own narrative. I just felt very comfortable just being myself. I think ultimately you have to trust your gut. And like if your gut says this is going somewhere, you feel good about it, just gotta go with it. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Before you even had your first date, all of those things that you would typically talk about on maybe even the, I don't know, the third, fourth date, Mm -hmm. you already like checked all the boxes. So then at what point was proposal and marriage starting to become a real concrete (laughs) thing? I'd say for me it was maybe like a month and a half in two months where I was like, oh, wow, like I could see myself spending eternity with this person. We were just hanging out at her place. We were at that point, we were just playing random music videos, watching them together. I, I think a Jason Mraz song came on. And I was just doing my own goofy dance. But like, I, I, yeah, I was like, if you if you guys remember like Clefairy from like Pokemon. Yes. Like, yeah, it was like that. They're like the two fingers. The metronome. Yeah, exactly. So I was, I was doing that for whatever reason. I always thought like, oh, like when you're being comfortable with someone, meant like, okay, intentionally like letting your guard down. For me, it was like, I caught myself off guard being comfortable with mm, this person. That's such an interesting way to put it. Yeah. Mm. I was like, oh, wow. Like I didn't think I could be this comfortable with, with someone that I was trying to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I knew like, okay, I can, I can see myself being with this person for, for eternity. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, I don't know. I think I just knew from the beginning. From pretty early on too. Yeah. It just like that time he texted you in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It just like I just knew from the start. I, I mean I didn't like fall in love with him till a little bit later though, mm-hmm. but but I knew before I even fell in love with him. How weird is that? It's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the human mind is such a like a bizarre thing and it's like you just cannot explain yeah. it sometimes. When you know, you know. It, yeah, it was true for it, you. Yeah, it was very true yeah. for me. It was so cliche, but I was like, oh my yeah. God, it's, I get it now. <laughs> so question for you then, because it sounds like you were exposed to his family first, right? And then yeah. Josiah met your family after. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you meet Julia's parents so or family? Before we got engaged, I, I met your mom um, and, and your brother. And after we got engaged, I also spent like a week in... Um, DC in dc and also in the philippines with your with your family as oh, well yeah. i'm sure like you seeing me in my family arena it was also very interesting seeing you in your family arena too i think when we're with our families we just tend to revert back to like who we are right who we grew up to be so mm-hmm. it was definitely very cool just seeing how you and your, your family interacted yeah and julia your family background is kind of unique right your mother born in korea but moved to the philippines mm-hmm. and then moved to america and then had you that's basically my mom's background and my dad he was born and i think he was raised in hong kong i'm not as close with him and then you know he also moved to the states for college but then for me and my brother we were born in the states when i was nine years old i then moved over to asia and attended an international school in the philippines there so it's very strange. So whenever we talk about 1.5 gen, second generation, I don't know where to categorize myself. I think my mom's technically 1.5 generation based off of when she left her motherland. So that would make me, I guess, second or third generation. <laughs> so Josiah and I would talk about this a lot, um, right? Because we didn't know which one yeah. we were. It was just so strange because I remember going back to the Philippines thinking, oh my goodness, like I am a strong American. I'm a Korean American, very proud to be Korean American. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of the Koreans at my school, they couldn't understand that. So they would come back to me and say, how are you an American? You are Korean. And I tell them, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I actually clashed with a lot of the Koreans at my school because they couldn't grasp that concept. So I didn't really hang out with the Koreans a lot. And yeah, and I think even till today, I don't even know where I fit in sometimes, but which is, it's been easy to yeah. get along. I mean, we clash a little bit sometimes in our understanding of Asian cultures and bringing that into our everyday life. I think part of it, I wonder too, I think my ability to appreciate Julia's mixed, like diverse background comes from the fact that I spent a few years in Hong Kong just as a grad student and also working there for a few years. So I know like while I'm here in the U.S., I identify myself more strongly as Asian, right? But when I was in Hong Kong, I was like, wow, like... Even though I can speak the language, and people in Hong Kong have told me my Cantonese is, is very good, I identified lots more strongly as American, just in terms of values and just in oh, terms totally. of like my approach. So I get that too. When yeah. I go to Korea, like I'm Korean American, but when I go to Korea, they know immediately that I'm yeah. an American. Yeah. Immediately. And it's like the way I carry myself, my expressions, yeah. the clothes I'm wearing, the makeup. It comes down to every single little yeah. detail. Like if I'm shopping a non-touristy area, they'll still know. I was in a bakery and I had left the bakery and, my, and I was with my mom. And because I was moving so quickly, my mom was like kind of following me because she had some other things to take care of. So she steps into the bakery while I'm gone. And she's like, did you see short girl just now? And then they're like, oh, you mean the American? <laughs> like to that point, they were able to identify wow. me. Yeah, it's a very real thing. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I am Korean. I'm American. Like it's a blend of both. Yeah, I know for a while I was struggling with crisis of identity in that sense. I think for me, it was just like such a shock to the system. Like when I was in Hong Kong, I was there for like two years and... I had some friends in Hong Kong, but by and large, I was kind of on my own. So it was hard to find like a good community of people who could like actually understand like what I was going through. Right. So that's why I think like looking back, for example, in in college, um, there was like a dedicated Asian American Christian fellowship. And I was like, you know, why does that need to exist? Like, why can't it just be mixed into some other like international, some other international uh, fellowship? And I think going to Hong Kong helped me understand that as Asian Americans, like we face a very unique challenge of like a a crisis of identity in that sense mm-hmm. uh, but i think that also helped me understand you know julia a lot better just because like we're both like um have dealt with that kind of thing before yeah and also definitely made me feel more comfortable knowing that he studied in hong kong and lived in hong kong for a few years because it's very different like when i was living in asia it's really hard for me to make friends who were asian because mm-hmm. we were so different in our his- like in our culture because my family was so much more western than they were mm-hmm. and then when i came to america it was also really hard for me to relate with some of the asian americans here because they were tr- true 1.5 generations or strictly th- third generation but i had so much exposure to the asian culture because i went to korea at least twice a year growing Mm -hmm. up so i was like in this mixed blend like i'm not 1.5 i'm like not really third generation i don't know where i am so i'm just gonna float around Mm. so the asian american friends that i did tend to relate really well with were people who either traveled a lot back to their motherland and they were in touch with it or they lived there for a few years because then we were able to at least relate okay like, we understand the struggle, like, okay, we don't fit in here, we don't fit in there, like, where do we fit in? Um, so that was really refreshing, but I think that's also a reason why I decided not to change my last name, and I kept Kim, mm-hmm. because my background is so confusing as is, like, where are you from? And I'm like, I don't know where I'm from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, a little bit of everywhere, I guess. Home is, like, bits and pieces here. Like a third culture kid, basically. Yeah, yeah. and my yeah. whole family is... Like, my mom and my dad were also third culture kids, too. So mm-hmm. we're just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so I decided to keep my last name because I wanted to at least keep my explanation a lot more simple, mm-hmm. saying that I'm Korean-American, mm-hmm. but I am married to him, who your family's from Hong Kong. Yeah. It was just easier to keep it separate. Yeah. yeah. If we were talking about an era, like, 30 years ago, the stories were very linear and clear. Like, for example, you were born in Korea. You're Korean. Boom. Done. Yeah. Right? These days with people studying abroad or, like, a lot of immigration happening, sometimes the stories are not linear and they like to bounce around, but that's, like, what makes like culture is such an interesting thing. Yeah. I have a cousin who is Korean. She was born in Korea, but she started attending school 
in Canada and then in America starting junior high school. And she now lives back in Korea working there. Mm -hmm. What she tells me is that she has a very hard time dating people who are Korean and grew up in Korea and have never left Korea Mm -hmm. because they cannot relate to her experience of like going to an American college or like studying abroad and being you know, in in America. So she actually finds herself drawn to, you know, other Koreans who have shared that experience because it is is quite different, right? How do you think that influences the decisions you make or like your future plans? We talk about this a lot, especially for when we we will have kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because I think something that we talked about was growing up, my brother would always call me older sister, which is Nuna in Korean. Uh, and I was pretty strict about that, even though my family is so much more Western. But when it came to titles and hierarchy, I was really adamant about... You were adamant or your I, parents were I adamant. was more adamant than mm-hmm. my, my parents. I don't think my parents really enforced it on me, so I don't know where I picked it up. Maybe it was my relatives in Korea when we would visit, or mm-hmm. maybe it's the Korean dramas that I would watch <laughs> all the time. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. But how, ma- how many years younger is he? He's six years younger than oh, I am. Oh, so there's a pretty wide age gap. Yeah. yeah. So I view it as a respect thing. So mm-hmm. if you respect me, you should call me Nuna. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I'm the eldest child. I'm the eldest cousin. So mm-hmm. I never had to call anyone by their title. Mm-hmm. It was only aunt and uncles, grandma mm-hmm. and grandpa. Yeah. For me, it's it's different. Like I'm also the eldest uh, sibling and cousin. Uh, my siblings always refer to me as Ko, which mm-hmm. is like older brother in Chinese. But... I personally wouldn't take it as a sign of disrespect if they called me by my first name, right? Do they do that though? Uh, rarely, but like if they do, I would view it more as a, oh, like a situational thing as opposed to like a sign of disrespect. Mm. Um, so we were actually talking about this uh, the other day and it's like, how should our kids mm-hmm. call their older siblings, right? First of all, it's like, what language do we use? Like Chinese or Korean? What, which language collectively do you guys speak? So you guys both speak English, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Julia, you speak Korean. A little bit, yeah. I speak Cantonese. You speak Cantonese. What else do we have on the table? I got a little Mandarin, a little Spanish. Like but... 2% Spanish. <laughs> from like high school. Okay, okay. So yeah. we're, we're working with three languages yeah. primarily, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's put out an example. If you had two kids, mm-hmm. you have an older girl and mm-hmm. a younger boy, what would you do? So we were thinking, because we always talk about this, because there's just so many different cultures. We're like, what language are we going to use? Like, what do you want your kids to call you? And then, so they'll call me Amma, first mm-hmm. of all, which is mom in Korean, and they'll call him Baba, which is mm-hmm. dad in Cantonese. Mm-hmm. So that is a, has been established. That's been easy. Mm-hmm. But with kids, I think what we decided on was we'll let them choose what they want to call their older sibling. Mm-hmm. So the younger boy, I would t- teach him saying, hey, get your Nuna, your mm-hmm. older sister, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would refer to his older sister as Nuna. Yeah. But he... I, w- I would tell the younger boy to call his older sister Je. Like, mm. Go get your gadget. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for us, like for me, my personal opinion is, is like, I would like them to be exposed to both. Mm-hmm. But it's up to them how they choose to call it, right? Mm. Like, let them, let them yeah. choose, get them exposed to both. But, uh, but I feel like I probably would enforce it a little bit more strict. I'd be a bit more strict on them than he probably would. Mm-hmm. So if I hear the younger boy calling his older sister by the first name, I would probably scold him. Or, not scold, but lecture and saying hey mm-hmm. that's not respectful for mm-hmm. your older sister you should call her nuna mm-hmm. so i probably would come off a little bit stronger than he probably yeah. would yeah i grew up in that kind of household yeah. that you just mentioned julia like my mom is extremely particular mm-hmm. about um hierarchy and like titles and giving respect to people like manners she's mm-hmm. very big on that stuff mm-hmm. growing up like my my sister my unni was always my unni like mm-hmm. no questions asked like i didn't even like even till this day as a 31 year old woman if i call my sister Susan I'm just like Ugh. like I get tingly inside <laughs> yeah. I'm just like oh that feels so weird but sometimes I have to call her that way like when I'm describing her yeah. to another person right and like, so because I can't just say my sister my sister my sister every time <laughs> like I have to use some sort of pronoun right um, so sometimes that does happen and it's actually funny because my sister's situation is exactly your situation mm. where she's married a Chinese man mm-hmm. and their family speaks Cantonese. My sister's Korean in a Korean family and they have Olivia who is a Chinese Korean baby oh. and living in America. Um, and what I have noticed so far in the nine months of her being alive is that um, on my side, like my my sister's family side, we all speak to her in Korean. Mm-hmm. and. I'm the one who tries to teach her Korean and get exposure to it because if she's not around me, my sister's Korean is not great, mm-hmm. so she's not learning anything. So <laughs> I'll call her by her Korean name, and like my parents call her by her English name, Olivia. Mm-hmm. And then on my um, brother-in-law side, they 
her, his family speaks to her in Cantonese. And then my brother-in-law and my sister speak to her in English. Mm-hmm. So that, that way she's getting exposure to all three languages. Yeah. There's no other sibling in existence yeah. yet, so we haven't had to cross that road. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure like it'll all work out. Yeah. Like The situation is always changing, so you may want to like adapt towards yeah. that as well. When it actually happens, sometimes you have to pivot yeah. and like change your approach, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I think that's where we're leaning towards too. Um, that's why right now I'm not like, I don't have super strong feelings about it. Um, I also think kids when they're younger in general are just much more elastic in terms of like understanding. Like if you were to, if I had never learned all like the, the Chinese ways of referencing my elders or something, and if you teach them to me today, I would get lost entirely. Oh, same, yeah. same. I still don't know like a lot of those different yeah. titles. Like I was talking to my cousin and I was like, oh shit, I just realized I don't know how to describe Olivia to you. Like what is the <laughs> connection, right? I don't even know it in English. I definitely don't know it in Korean. Mm-hmm. Like it's very confusing. And one of my childhood memories growing up is doing the family tree exercise in school. Mm-hmm. And I hated that exercise. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys had to do that, but um, in school, they'd be like, okay, you're gonna fill out the family tree. And like all the white kids would be like, okay, it's Joshua and like <laughs> Luke and they just like write all their names and they some, they somehow know all their grandmothers yeah. and grandparents names and their great grandfathers and they can easily show their lineage. Yeah. And then me, I'm sitting there like, all right, um, mom, dad, <laughs> my unni, which is my sister, but I'm just like, but I don't write her name because yeah. it's unni. And then like my cousins, but then my cousins, you don't refer to them as their names either. You write like unni, yeah. right? Or oppa. Yeah. And like seven-year-old me was so confused. Yeah. I was like, but like I don't even know their first name. Like, because it's always just like unni or oppa. Yeah. So I remember struggling so much with that family tree and I couldn't comprehend to the point where I had to present the family tree. And then I just like, I was like, so I have a cousin. She's my sister. <laughs> that's what it is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it's like, a sister, a sister, a sister. And they're like, so you have like five sisters? So I was like, um, and I like didn't have the vocabulary to explain it. But I think that's why it's so important to like really teach and help the kid understand yeah. the connections and stuff. Yeah. I have a very small anecdote. So we went over to my parents for Chinese New Year a few weeks ago. And my cousin came down from Boston too. My cousin's maybe one year younger than me. So I call him Biu Dai technically, which means like brother who is younger. And Julia is three or four years younger than me. So I was asking my mom, like, officially, how is Julia supposed to address uh, Caleb, my mm-hmm. cousin? And my mom was thinking, it's like, well, technically, she should call him Biu Sook. I was like, the thing about, funny thing is that the word Sook in Cantonese means uncle. I was like, what? <laughs> it was just so bizarre. Just thinking about, like, how that lineage actually happens. So that's just a small anecdote of, like, just the confusion that happens when you try to map, like, the Asian hierarchical title thing mm-hmm. to, like, how in English we refer to our relatives. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like Korean, I mean, it's pretty simple. I feel like with our cousins, anyone who's older than us, we call them Anni, Oppa, Hyung, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But in Cantonese, there's, they have a title it's for very everyone. Intricate. Yeah. yeah. Every yeah. single person. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing yeah. that they have it so mapped up. But at the same time, it's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> you have like a vocabulary. Yeah. Like, um, just like, <laughs> wait, I'm like pictures and like their title. <laughs> Those are things I honestly don't know if I would be able to teach our kids. I'd probably have to rely on my parents to teach yeah. our kids, if yeah. anything. The thing is, like, so his family, they do speak Cantonese at home. and But they, they've been speaking English because I'm there now. But my family, we only speak English. Like, mm-hmm. my brother knows no Korean. Oh, really? Except for amma, harmony, nuna, pamokja, let's mm-hmm. eat. Kaja, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> That's it. But yeah. He doesn't know any other Korean, mm-hmm. even though he's gone through schooling. So... I have a feeling I don't have the knowledge to teach our kids yeah. Korean either, so... You can bring him over to me. <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll help do that for you. I'm getting a lot of experience through Olivia teaching her Korean. I went to Korea this you know, this uh, winter mm-hmm. and I bought a lot of books. Uh, I'm learning new Korean nursery rhymes so that I can teach it to Olivia. Uh, so yes, I can help with that. Amazing. <laughs> we'll take you up on that after in a few years. <laughs> so what are some of your traditions that you guys do as a couple? So what's cool about Lunar New Year's is I've never celebrated it. We only celebrate January 1st, New Year's. Mm -hmm. And during then, we do like the Korean traditional meals, which is like um, the mandu tteokguk. So Mm -hmm. mandu uh, dumplings, rice cake, and broth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we have like kimchi and all the meats and stews and everything. And we go all out. 
But then for his family, they go big on Lunar New Year's. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool because we get to celebrate New Year's twice. Mm -hmm. And the first one, we get to celebrate it in the Korean way. And then the second one, we get to celebrate it in his Chinese way. Mm -hmm. So that's been really fun, at least for me, because I've never been exposed to that type of culture. So it's been really cool, like learning about the different dishes and Mm -hmm. like eating a certain thing means that you'll have long life or... Your hair will be strong. Yeah. I don't know. There's just like little things here and there. Yeah. If you eat this, it means like you'll get a lot of laughter. You know, sometimes I sometimes I feel like like parents just make that up. They make up stories <laughs> to like make you eat things. Uh-huh. Like my mom would be like, if you eat mushrooms, your brain will be very good. And I was like, I still don't like mushrooms. That's not gonna work on me, mom. Before you guys got married, did you get red envelopes from his family? We did. I did at least. I don't know if they gave you any. I, I certainly I got red. Did. Yeah. Yeah. I got red envelopes, but now that I'm married, technically... You have to give red envelopes. Yeah, so this was a very interesting new, yeah. new year because, like, whereas in the past, I'd be, you know, sitting alongside with my siblings getting the red envelopes from oh, my parents. upgraded to the adult table. Yeah, well, I, I had to give... We had to give red envelopes to my siblings, which was such a... It was definitely a new experience for me. Were you like, damn it, why do I have two? <laughs> yeah, I know. And the uh, thing is, like, it's not, we can't give it collectively. He has to give one and oh, I totally. should give one yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. But in at least, like, from my family, we don't give to the siblings once you get married. You mm-hmm. just give it to their kids, so when mm-hmm. your nieces and nephews, whenever they come around. So I felt strange also giving yeah. red envelopes to his siblings because that's just so new and different. Mm-hmm. I got red envelopes because I complained to my, to my <laughs> sister and my brother-in-law because I heard that my sister and brother-in-law were giving red envelopes to Peter's, who's my brother-in-law, Peter's uh, like cousins and oh, whatever. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> I'm not married. I actually, the, the way I found out that I was supposed to get it is like I texted the, our group chat with like Tiff Wong, Tiff uh-huh. Lui, basically a lot of like Chinese girls. Yeah. And I was like, hey guys, what's the etiquette here? Like, why am I not getting rid of them? They're like, oh, you, sh- you well, yeah. if you're not married, you should be getting them. And I was yeah. like, oh, oh. <laughs> so that's when I contacted my sister and I was like, hey, how come I don't get rid of them? She's like, well, you're Korean. And I was like, and, <laughs> and excuse me. Um, so yeah, now I get like two red envelopes from them every Lunar New Year too. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like enjoying the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's definitely being strange on the other side of the aisle now. Mm. Um, but it's it's also, I'll miss out on that, receiving the red envelopes. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know. You were like, oh, that was my last year. Yeah, I know. Red envelopes. <laughs> Darn like, it. Oh. <laughs> no, but what's also just like a little bit kind of on the same topic, but not really. But something that I've noticed. So you know how Koreans, we have those gochujang paste. Mm-hmm. So I used to always buy them because mm-hmm. I love spicy food, but mm-hmm. my spice tolerance is terrible. So I could never finish it before the expiration date in all my life. But then I married this guy. We live in the same roof now. And all of a sudden, we go through this tub like once a month. <laughs> okay, and not once a month. Okay, it's but like... pretty frequently. And it's very alarming to me because I'm like... Where's this going? <laughs> like, what are you putting it in? So, Josiah, you really like spicy food. I, I like gochujang and, and tenjang. I just cook with it. Yeah, um, all the time. I don't know if I, it's like, if that's, I'm using it the right way, but it, I mean, it makes our, fa- to, our food taste good, right? It tastes like a Chinese, Korean, American <laughs> dish. Yeah. Literally. Which sounds great. <laughs> it, it's also funny because like, we haven't been eating rice as much. So we've been using cauliflower rice as well. So it's like, it definitely, you add that into the equation of Ooh, like, it makes it more like spicy and fun yeah, to eat. Yeah. 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 So, I love gochujang. Yeah. Before hot sauce was a thing, like it was gochujang yeah. for me. Okay. So as a married couple, you guys are spending all your time together, especially during the pandemic mm-hmm. where you're not going out as much. But how do you guys set boundaries for yourselves and take care of yourselves? So when we first uh, got married, we moved into my the studio I was living at. Um, and even though it had like a fake door, uh, it was still like, you know, light and sound still passed through. So it was di- very difficult, especially like for me as an introvert and someone who uh, just more of my creativity or whatnot happens more at night to, you know, need to stay up. And like for her as an early morning person and um, as someone who... You know, how do we actually like the physical boundary there too? Tuesdays and Thursdays are my air quote introvert nights where like, I just stay up on my own and she knows she's prepared to know that, okay, the next morning, like she may not be fully refreshed because like I have to stay up and, and kind of just have my introvert time to, uh, to myself. Um, so I think like that's kind of how we worked together to like try to come to a, a compromise on, on how to set that boundary. Um, now that we've moved uh, to a place with actual bedrooms, uh, it becomes a lot easier, uh, but we still like make sure we're respecting our times. Like, whereas 
Uh, for her, if she needs to wake up early in the morning, right, or, or work out in the morning, then I'll try to make sure that uh, from our study, I move, which is also our kind of gym room, I, I move my stuff out early in the morning. So if I need to take a morning call, like she has her space. And then I also still have my introvert nights too, where it's like, you no, know, I, I just go and just do my own thing for a little bit later at night. So I think that's definitely helped us like set expectations about like, this is kind of what we need to you know, take care of ourselves as well. I just imagine you like locking yourself into a room and the, there's a sign outside of the door. It's like <laughs> introvert night, do not disturb. <laughs> that, that's, that's basically how it is. Um, I, I think our sign is just like, if the door is closed to our study, uh, then like you know, I'm, I'm kind of in my own space. Um, but I feel like that's one way that I feel like Julia has given me space to have my own boundary. Mm-hmm. I don't know about. Yeah, he usually tucks me in. So yeah. he waits till I fall asleep or or at least until like maybe 9 o'clock or 9.30, then he pieces out. Um, and then I just give him space and yeah. we usually just, you know, he sleeps whenever he sleeps. I don't yeah. really know when he comes in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm an extrovert, but I have, I'm like a very shy extrovert, I guess, which surprises some people because my friends, some of my friends are like, you're so outgoing. And I'm like, no, I'm actually very shy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a lot of introvert characteristics so for me i just need sometimes i just need like an hour where i'm just by myself watching tv need my k-drama and mm-hmm. then i'm good mm-hmm. and then i usually need human contact in order to get energy we would maybe hang out with like our friends and then i'm like it's so different because like if we're hanging out with like getting a dinner let's say with mm-hmm. a group of friends at the end of the dinner i'm like oh my gosh i'm so energetic i yeah. feel like i can run a marathon now round two let's yeah, go yeah exactly and he's like oh my god i'm so tired <laughs> <laughs> and i was like what but that was so yeah so i think that's one way from a boundaries perspective I, th- I think another way too is we grew up in an environment where because i think we're the eldest sibling in a group setting we tend to try to be responsible for everyone if we're all hanging out in a group like we got to make sure that everyone's like happy and whatnot and i think for I, I definitely notice that playing into our marriage as well like sometimes we'll try to sidestep conversation that may cause conflict i know for me sometimes i'm like oh i want to make sure i don't bring this up so that like she doesn't get upset I'm sure you're kind of likewise too. Um, so I think for me, like, and this is a little bit more meta from a boundaries perspective, but it's something I've had to learn. Like, hey, like, you do this thing, I don't like it, but I know this is also like something that is part of who you are. Uh, but I just wanna, I'm not gonna try to take responsibility for for your happiness. I'm just gonna state it out there that hey, like, I would not be doing myself, I would be doing myself a disfavor if I weren't to state like, hey, you do something that like annoys me or something you know Mm -hmm. Um, so I think like on a deeper level that's also like a boundary thing that I think we've had to we're learning still and I'm sure we'll continue to learn throughout our marriage the key is that people are not mind readers yeah you have to communicate and like this is my personal belief but I think communication is like the key component of any good relationship not just romantic but family friends whatever it is it's very easy to craft your own story in your head and same goes for the other individual that you may be talking to and if they're crafting the story in their head that distorts your reality so you guys might be doing the same exact things experiencing the same exact moment but experiencing so differently because of what we tell ourselves and that's why it's important to be like very clear of like where your headspace is at so that the other person knows and I think for me, I used to think communication just meant like talking a lot. And that's actually, I'm learning that's not the case. It's more about like true communication and vulnerability go hand in hand. It's like, hey, I'm going to say something right now that I know is going to cause conflict, but, and it's going to put a strain on our relationship, but I need to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, I feel like whenever I say something like that, like Julia responds in a way that is much better than I could have imagined. Mm. I'll put it that way. Oh, and lucky I, you. I feel like that like in itself, it's like you're... I'm putting something out there that I know could be used against me, mm-hmm. but, uh, but I'm the, I'm being reciprocated with uh, something that actually reinforces the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I also think there's this idea that like you have to understand your own feelings and your own emotions yeah. in order to articulate them correctly to the other person yeah. because the other person, no matter how close you guys are or intimate, they're still separate beings, yeah. right? And it's on you to help them understand yeah. how you're feeling. So yeah. there's that aspect of things. I think to that point about like understanding that people are separate beings, no matter how you know intimate you are, uh, that's actually something for me. Like I, I learned fairly recently in my life. Like mm-hmm. so, I, I started getting counseling just around like maybe four or five years ago with mm-hmm. a professional uh, counselor through Redeemer Counseling Services. I think especially being the eldest sibling and always being like kind of the one within my friend group in college or not, like trying to organize things and make sure like while we're doing that event, everyone's happy. 
I took it upon myself to be responsible for everyone's happiness. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I was, you know, exceeding my boundary by doing that. And something I learned a lot in, in counseling with my counselor through these past few years of just understanding, hey, like, I'm not responsible for this other person's um, happiness. Like, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm responsible for my own, like, how I view something and communicating that. And if I were to have a relationship with anyone, not just like a romantic one, that's built more on preserving harmony as opposed to like true like seeing eye to eye and, and true like ability to to really be who I am that's not or that's not as deep a relationship as you know the, the other way so it's something that I've learned and it's something that I, I'm definitely do my best to carry into our relationship yeah. as well. I love how you mentioned that because well, two things. One, it is the responsibility of the individual to know when to speak yeah. up, right? If you keep everything hidden inside, the other person just doesn't know. No matter how, like, nunchi yeah. they, they have, like, how observant they are, mm-hmm. like, it is your responsibility to speak up when your boundaries are being crossed or if you feel yeah. that some situation could have been handled better, blah, blah, blah. The second thing is I commend you for seeking that counseling because I think within Asian men in particular, very hesitant, very hesitant to seek any sort of help, whether it's therapy, whether it's counseling, whatever it may be, very hesitant because there's such a stigma associated with emotions or having them. But I also want to commend you because men don't take responsibility for like working on themselves. Then it's becoming a burden on women. (laughs) Women are going around like carrying that emotional burden of the men around them because Mm -hmm. they have to overexert themselves in order to compensate for like the the lack of do you get what i mean so i think that's also very helpful for just like humankind to be doing that because you know there's this there's a saying that like there's always that one person who's getting therapy because all the other people in their community won't get therapy, you know? So like they have to get therapy. I started getting therapy over a year now. So I started before the pandemic and it's made a huge difference in my life. I'm able to articulate my feelings much better and I'm able to like change the relationship that I had with certain feelings. And I actually think it was one of the main reasons why I got into grad school as well, Mm. because I had associated such a fear and anxiety of like failure that I could not like perform well on tests. For example, I would like study, 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 and then I would take the test and bomb it because I was just like so nervous. So I like changed my relationship with test taking, changed my relationship with like that fear and anxiety. Mm. And that's actually, I I would say one of the reasons why I was able to like Mm. actually get into grad school. Mm. So yeah, hats off to you. No, hats off to you too. (laughs) When I first started a few, a few years ago, it was definitely like a, definitely the stigma around it i had another friend who actually had recommended this um, this counselor to me that's why i even took the step in the first place but um, i I think it definitely helped me understand myself a lot better and helped me understand like how i had reacted to things in the past and helped me be more aware like i think to your point be aware of my emotions and actually articulate them not just to others, but even to myself Mm -hmm. um, a lot better because you you write the story to yourself right right? you have like a ongoing narrative as yeah. well yeah. yeah yeah so it's definitely been helpful there uh, we also did uh, premarital counseling um just as a couple for the few weeks before we got married and i found that very helpful too even though i thought we knew a lot of each other but i think even like the the types of questions and, and just the the exploration of into our own histories like together was very helpful as well mm-hmm. so would you recommend it i would that was my first exposure to counseling because i've never done it before so premarital was the first time I did any type of counseling and I highly recommend it especially for newly engaged couples and Mm -hmm. people who are thinking about getting married just because at first when I was like oh I don't know do we like have to do this and I thought it was more going to be like bible focus I'm like Mm -hmm. here's what the bible says about marriage so that's Mm -hmm. the mentality I went into it but what came out of it was like how are we going to resolve conflict yeah. and where are like where are we currently in our communication how mm-hmm. we feel and during that time it was also covid peak mm-hmm. covid so we were one we had to shift our wedding date and our big re- wedding reception so that was a stress i was living with your parents um so that was like a completely new environment not for only for myself but for everyone for everyone yeah. and so there's just so much unknown it actually ended up being really helpful and it brought us closer together and i think it really helped us with how we communicate now and resolve our issues so i highly I yeah. highly recommend it i don't even remember what i re- like learned except for like the things that we already currently practice well, but 
I think that was a point that I, I think even for my own personal counseling and with our premarital counseling, it wasn't like go here and the counselor's going to tell you how to solve your problems. It was oh, yeah. more like... They never have the answer. Right. You have to figure yeah, out the answer. Exactly. And, and that's what... You can't expect them to have the answer. And they, um, they can't really give you advice either because yeah. ultimately it's your decision. It's right. your life. And they're not living your life. Right. So they don't know. The way that I see it is like they can help you identify the areas in which you're less developed yeah. or more developed. And you can figure out an approach yeah. of how to like adjust those little things. Exactly. Yeah. The framework on how to approach problems. Mm-hmm. So like obviously like even things that we talked about in premarital counseling, like they still pop up now, but like at least we have a framework on how to actually understand each other more and, mm-hmm. and work through it yeah. together. And I think because we went through so much rehearsal and practice on applying whatever mm-hmm. communication style that they were teaching us, that it just comes naturally. So one thing is instead of getting mad up front we immediately try to throw our feelings on the table mm-hmm. and then describe why we're feeling that yeah. and that's something i personally really struggled with he's a lot better <laughs> but i'm like so bad at talking about feelings and like expressing them so premarital counseling definitely helped me a little bit and i'm able to articulate it a little at least i like to think yeah. a little bit better than before yeah mm-hmm. it used to be all facts for me <laughs> <laughs> i feel like this and he'd be like julia that's a fact i'm like Well, that feeling is a fact. (laughs) (laughs) For our listeners, what advice would you give for those who are recently married? Communicate. I think we (laughs) talked about this. Communicate and and be okay being vulnerable. I think the vows that, that we make to each other really help us keep going through things. We've been married for less than a year, but I think we obviously had a lot more conflict than I think either of us probably expected. And part of that is probably due to like, you know, oh, like COVID and just getting to know each other more. Even though we've had more conflict than we expected, we've gotten a lot closer than I expected too, through those conflicts. Not just in spite of, but because of working through it together. So I guess like communicate and and don't be afraid of of those conflicts. The wife is always right too. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one, you threw that in there. You were like, wait, I know I'm missing something. My advice, yes, so I can always right. No. <laughs> Only majority of the time. If he doesn't listen, I'd be like, Josiah, if you do that, yes, it's listen. gonna end up it's mm-hmm. gonna take up ten times more longer and he's like, No, it's not and then of course it yeah. does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mine is listen to your wife. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But it's also put your pride away. Like set it aside because mm-hmm. when you're prideful, if you get into an argument with let's say your spouse and if you're so prideful on I have to be like I'm right, I'm going to win this argument, like I'm not going to go in and like apologize, it doesn't do anyone good. So mm-hmm. I would say just throw that pride out the window. Mm-hmm. And I know for me that can feel very uncomfortable sometimes. So I'm like, ah, oh, it just feels like I'm defeated sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I know that when I do put it out the window and I talk to Josiah about it, the conversation is so much better and we're able to grow even closer. And it always surprises me how closer we're still able to get. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, oh, he's my best friend. Like we can't get any more closer. And then something happens. I'm like, oh my God, I feel 10 times closer to you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that brings us to an end. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Follow us on Instagram. It's Julia and Josiah. We also have a YouTube page where you can just follow our daily lives. We're just your simple New York City couple being silly. Um, and that's also, you can just Google us on Julia and Josiah and we'll show up. And Josiah's name's a little bit difficult to spell, so it's J O S I A H. Yep. Thanks for coming onto the pod, guys. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you for having Thank us. You. Yeah. Bye. Bye.